executive in residence with the Selinger School of Business and Management at Loyola University, Maryland. And it's my privilege to facilitate this conversation between Dan Fitzgerald from Stanley Black and & Decker and Michael D'Onofrio, one of our students. This interaction that we're going to be able to listen to uh, involves the topic of sustainability, uh, which is something that's extremely important in today's society and which is something that it poses great challenges for corporations as well as great opportunities. So um, I'm going to, uh, first of all, ask uh, Dan, if you would kindly give us a little bit of background on yourself and maybe talk about your role, uh, and then I'll turn it over to Michael and ask him to conduct the session. Thank you. Absolutely, thanks, Dave. So uh, my name is Dan Fitzgerald. I've been with Stanley Black & Decker for coming up on 16 years now. And uh, for the first 10 years of my role, I was within the business units working on product safety. So UL CSA approvals, um, you know, and some environmental safety as well, hazardous chemicals. And um, in the 2016 timeframe, a job position became open um, to support all the business units within the companies, not just the power tools on product sustainability. So I applied and was very fortunate um, to get the position. And now for the past four years plus, I've been you know, working with the business units and trying to identify what the hotspots are and um, you know, how strategies they can implement to improve the sustainability of their products. Um, so it's been a very fun ride and I'm happy to talk about it today. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's great having you here, Dan. Thank you. So, uh, Michael, uh, would you uh, introduce yourself and then take it away? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Michael D'Onofrio. I'm a first year here at Loyola, and uh, I'm a sustainability management major. Um, I'm the president of the Sustainability Management Club, and I'm looking forward to getting to know Dan and uh, hopefully um, get some good advice from you. Uh, so I'd like to start off just by asking you, um, what's like a day-to-day -day task for you um, at Stanley Black & Decker as one of the largest companies um, in storage and other tools. Um, what do you what do you do? <laughs> so at this point in time, it, it's a, I'd say it's a broad mix of strategic and tactical tasks, right? Um, because when we first took over the role in 2017, um, it, it was sort of a blank sheet of paper had to come up with what is the strategy going to be for us as a company for our products, right? And so for the first, you know, two, two years or so, it was, you know, finding the right people in the business that can affect product sustainability. It's what are the, where, where are we truly causing impact that drives the strategy of what do you focus on to address, right? So for those first two years, uh, it was really about setting up you know, what is the strategy? What are we going to do as a company? And we ultimately ended up on, you know, with respect to existing products, right? The materials that are used in them and the energy use of them and, and end of life, right? Circular design, basically. And um, so, so once those are set, though, there, there's this period of, you know, change management where everyone understands what we're doing, but the how, right? And so you have to kind of get down in the nitty gritty and, and work through the how and show that how that happens, right? But then eventually once that's taught, 
um, you know, it can be incorporated into the business unit. So I'm at that middling point where the strategy has been set. There's good awareness of the strategy. And there's a lot of pool on our group now to, to help with the tactical, right? Okay, so we understand what you want us to do. We're going to go try to do it, but we need help to do it. And that's really where we're at now. So, uh, so my day's a big mix, right? I wake up in the morning and I have plans for the day. And a lot of times I don't get them done because there's a lot of uh, new things that show up that were unexpected. So um, you kind of got to roll with that though. Thank you. Thank you for the explanation. Thank you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, it, it's always nice to see, you know, those very fluid um, relationships within the company. Right. You have being able to like, not even just be like having problems with talking with other um, employees. Um, and one last question I'll ask you, um, for me as a student and for my peers, when I get back to them, uh, what advice can you give to a sustainability management major who seeks to find a job in this field? And uh, what skills do you think are important to have? So the, I believe the most important skills are um, maybe more on the emotional intelligence side, right? Be because the number of people um, and departments, you're almost like a, a connector type position, right? Because sustainability can touch every aspect, right? And so really it's about you know, trying, trying to connect with people and get them to be passionate about it, right? Be because again, you can't do it all yourself. You need these passionate folks out there, right? That, that can help your mission, right? And again, once, once people learn about it, think about it a little bit, it, it starts to creep into their daily mind and, and their everyday activities, right? Everything they do, if they, if they know certain things, they might act differently. And so that's, that's kind of my goal is, you know, just, you, you gotta put yourself out there. You gotta, you know, do as many of interviews like this, right? If you're asked to do them, do the interviews, right? Um, if you're asked to sit in with somebody else wants some input, right? You know, just kind of being present and being there and, and helping to provide the input where you can. Um, you know, again, right, it's, it's, a, it's a lot about making a ton of connections, right? And, you know, having passionate people teaching them and then having them drive, drive the efforts as well, right? That's, that's what I've, you know, learned, I think, in the role is <laughs> just being out there and, and, and present for people. Thank you. Yeah. And sometimes it, sometimes it goes overlooked. So always keeping a priority, staying consistent is definitely very important. Yeah. But I do think there will be a lot of opportunities for folks looking in this field now. I mean, you know, again, right. It's, it's, I, I really believe COVID is opening people's eyes. Right. And, and, you know, suggestions that we're encroaching too far into forested areas where we shouldn't be right. Which is causing the crossover. Right. And so there are right. some very sort of environmental reasons behind COVID likely. And, and my hope is just, we can get that message across that, hey, COVID is, is nothing compared to what environmental is gonna be. So let's let's get cracking at this. And that, that's kind of been the unfortunate thing with climate change is it's taking too long for people to really appreciate it, right? And then we're too late. So, whereas at least COVID happened and the, the impact was immediate and everyone was like, whoa, what a change. We reacted better as, as a species, so. We need to basically keep harping the message that COVID was nothing if we don't do something, right? <laughs> so, before, yeah, um, I want I want to get one more question, and you just remind me it's a real quick one, um, and it's probably one of the most important ones I had. How do you go about educating your customer, your customers? Um, you talk about you know we have to be ahead of the curve, we have to be ready, and right. having the agenda of the customer versus the agenda of the planet. 
where do you find that balance, but how do you educate the customer? So, so my position on this is a little different, I think, than traditional marketing. So when we talk about the customer, the end user, right? We actually have two customers, so, so we don't sell direct. So our, our direct customer is technically the retailers. And so a lot of them do have sustainability um, documents, reports, policies, right? And so when we get into those discussions, we're able to say, hey, look, you know, the stuff we're doing here is in line with your, you know, direction to go here, right? We try to make those connections between, um, you know, what we're doing and then their sustainability reports. But, you know, just like any company anywhere, there's disconnect sometimes between the corporate policy and, you know, the folks on the ground making the decisions, right? And so, again, working together, we can help make sure that, that some of that's driven down. You know, somebody that's making a decision on an individual product to carry in their section, right, in, in the battery section of Lowe's, for example, right? You know, they have very specific metrics they're thinking about, right? And, and they're aware of all the stuff at corporate, but in their day-to-day, -day, maybe some other metrics are coming higher, and they're making decisions that are technically not in line with their corporate strategy, right? Unknowingly. And so like kind of bringing that all together because then our team says, well, they didn't ask about it. You know, you said they were gonna care and, and it, you know, it, it's stuff to work through, right? But I do believe, you know, um, our direct customers are very much more into it. We're getting a lot more engagement there. End users are a little less probably than customers, but my theory on this has always been, you know, we need from a product marketing and brand perspective to make sustainability irresistible. We have to, we have to know what's right, do it, even if the customer's, customer's not asking for it. And then the challenges make them desire it, right? So, so give them what's required, but then, you know, really make them want it, you know, rather than they don't want it deliver exactly what they say. Um, so I think that's the new wrinkle going on is that, you know, you, you're gonna have to bury a little bit that the customer is always right sort of mentality and say, you know, the, the customer is always right on certain attributes and then on others, right? You know, we have to defer to what the science says essentially, but yeah. Um, Michael, if I could, if I could just uh, ask uh, Dan to follow on that. So, yeah, in, in some ways, uh, Dan, it, it, it strikes me equivalent to what we think of maybe organic produce, right? You mm -hmm. know, it costs more, but it's better. It's not causing pollutants to go into the soil and into the atmosphere and ruining ecosystems and all that. But, but you have to get people to want to spend more money uh, to do so, right? It's right. it requires more input, and consequently, it, it needs to be expensive. And I would imagine you have the same sort of thing. I, I you know I could see a contractor on a job site making a decision about what tool to buy, or you know what are the other you know, and you have a range of products. I know uh, you know and is, does it come down to cost, right? And and that becomes an interesting challenge. You know, right. I, I, is that something that you're also having to deal with? And oh, very much so. I mean, you know, I, you know. I think obviously cost is sort of the number one worry everywhere, right? But again, you know, cost is based on policy in some sense, right? Would gasoline be two fifty a gallon if there weren't all those subsidies, right? <laughs> Probably not. If gas were ten dollar a gallon, I'd imagine the conversion to electric cars would be a lot quicker, right? So, again, you know, money is defined by the regulations we put behind it. So, if you really, you know, to me. The ideal world is, you know, obviously capitalism constrained by regulation, right? That's driving that capitalism in the correct direction, right? So if 
using fossil fuels is bad and we can all agree to that. There needs to be some kind of tax on that. And that essentially makes recycled plastic and the other stuff cheaper, right? And then you'll, you'll basically drive the action, right? So uh, yeah, but you know, cost is a problem and, and without, you know, that, that's always a concern. If you come out with a more premium product that, that is a little bit more expensive, will, how will the customer react to that? Will they pay that little extra to do what's right? Will they not, right? And, and it's competing research. It depends on the product, right? It's, but yeah, it's, it's a problem. Um, but the hope is that, you know, some policy changes and things will come that, that reinforce and, and sort of put it on the right track of making what we should be doing also the most cost-efficient option, right? Yeah. I mean, that would make the most sense to me, right? <laughs> Drive yeah. the behavior you want through policy, right? Yeah, well, no, I, I think what you say actually maybe is something that our students should take to heart, right? You know, mm -hmm. if you're thinking about, uh, you know, you're a sustainability major, you're thinking about a career in sustainability, uh, you know, and you're not going to go down the engineering or environmental science side of it, maybe mm -hmm. uh, policy is where emphasis should be placed, right? What could be sure. done to work with local or federal governments to get them to actually begin to change those policies? Because you're right, you know, a, a carbon tax would change the, you know, I don't want to say it's overnight, but a carbon tax would get people thinking differently very quickly, right? You know, I mean, all those sorts of things that might be, uh, you know, good, uh, career opportunities that our students should think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity and sustainability across a lot of functions too, which I think makes it nice. Like you said, public policy has got a role, engineering, marketing, you know, business slash marketing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, logistics, supply chain, right? It's, I mean, it, it, it covers every step of the business decision-making process. So, you know, uh, you know, I just... There's a lot of opportunity there. So it's a good space to be. <laughs> Sounds like you have a job for a couple lifetimes based yes. on all this. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, Dan, are there any, uh, Michael, uh, turn it back to you. Did you have any final questions uh, that you wanted to ask? Um, no final questions, but yeah, you're dealing with innovation, coming up ideas, but then also changing the traditional way of doing business, which is, you know, you have to break down the walls that people put up for years and years, which is probably a lot harder than people would think it is. So, yeah, going in through policy, different perspectives, it's it's going to be a big one. Great. Good. Yeah. Dan, the thing any... that can help us the most is the steady stream of well-educated and passionate folks, right? And so, you know, we really appreciate what you're doing on your campus, right? And, um, you know, if, if any of you in your group want to apply to Stanley Black & Decker, please make sure you lay out your sustainability credentials all through that resume. And, uh, <laughs> and it'll be very helpful to you for sure. And um, we're definitely looking for that talent pool and, and those those types of thinkers coming into our company, right? To figure out these unique ways to do business in a resource constrained world. So. There we go. Great. Dan, any final thoughts you'd care to share uh, before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, no, nothing specific except, you know, keep up the passion for this space. And, um, you know, I, I do find personally it, it you know, when I think about my job, it's, it's very rewarding to think that I can come into work and, and at least have some little influence over what kind of a major company is doing and the decisions they're making, you know, and it's a powerful thing to think about when, when you're, when you're in a company that's designing things that, that 
other people take into their lives and, and could potentially cause pollution, right? You know, there's so much responsibility to think about in terms of product safety and, and you know, just doing what's right. And, you know, as, you know, companies and industry is probably responsible for most of the impacts, right? It's just nice to, to be able to have a role within it to help drive it in a way that's better. And so th that purpose in your job is, is, a, is a nice thing to have. And so I feel like that, that comes with the territory of choosing sustainability as a path, right? You can know that what you're doing on the day-to-day, -day, right, is, is something, you know, something good. <laughs> Sounds, uh, sounds very gratifying, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, Michael, any final thoughts you want to share with your fellow students who, who will be listening to these videos? Um, final thoughts? I uh, hope you guys consider the words that uh, Dan has given us today. <laughs> well, great. Well, good. Well, then I want to thank both Dan and Michael for uh, this conversation today. I, I found it extremely interesting to uh, learn about not only some of the challenges that somebody who's in the sustainability field has to go through, uh, but also some of the things that our students can think about in terms of the impact they can make, the uh, gratification they'll get from you know doing good. Uh, and I think it's been a really eye-opening, but uh, very, uh, very. Uh, a conversation that I hope we can sustain in the future. How's that? Sounds good. Yeah. Great. So Dan, Michael, thank you very much. And uh, with that, we'll sign off. Thank you. Thank you.